Welcome everybody, welcome to River Glen. Thank you so much for inviting us into your home, wherever you are today. My name's Ben, and I want you to know I am just so glad you're with us, no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey right now. Before I get started, I want you to know that in two weeks, we begin a new series and have a very special guest speaker. About a year ago, a book came out called What Made Jesus Mad, written by Tim Harlow. Tim is the pastor of Parkview Christian Church, a multi-site church in the Chicago area where God has done amazing things. Tim has pastored this church since 1990 when the church was 150 people. It has grown to almost 10,000 people. He's an excellent preacher and leader and good friend. Tim has recorded a message specifically for River Glen as we launch this new series based on his book. I can't wait for it. It'll give us some fresh insights into the heart and life of Jesus. So don't miss it. Join us online in two weeks. Now, this weekend, we continue a series about relationships and how to not just love the ones that we say that we love, how do we like them? How do we develop and grow better relationships in this season? I think we've all realized that this COVID season can cause a lot of strain on relationships if we're not careful. We can get really irritable with the people that we love the most. We used to have chunks of time away from each other, whether it was school or work or errands or whatever, but now we're together more and it can put stress and tension on relationships. So today I wanna to talk about dealing with conflict in our relationships. I think if I asked for a show of hands uh, and said, how many of you have over the last month or so have had some conflict with another person? My guess is that all of us would have our hand in the air, including me. Maybe you had a conflict with one of your best friends and you hardly speak to them at all. If you're married, you've probably had some tension and conflict. Maybe you've had some online conflict with another person. Someone criticized you online. Or how about on the freeway? A lot of conflict takes place at 70 miles an hour on the freeway. Conflict is part of our everyday lives, especially during COVID. Maybe right now some of us feel the weight of unresolved conflict with somebody you love, somebody you care about. And unlike the conflict we just saw in the video, the conflict between us and our loved ones, it's not a laughing matter. Relational tension and conflict with someone you love can be one of the most stressful experiences in life. So to get us on the same page and in the right frame of mind for what we're talking about today, I wanna to use a musical example. I'm sure many of you like music, but since I don't have any musical talent, I've recruited a very talented musician to help me out, our own Charity Miller. Something we may not realize is that tension is an important component of music. Music needs tension. Tension makes music better. But unresolved tension in music is not good. And so I asked Charity to help us experience some unresolved tension in music. Take it away, Charity. Thanks, Charity. Anybody feel uneasy about that? You don't have to be a musician to feel that and realize that has got to be resolved. It cannot stay like that. And the same is true with our relational conflict. Conflict is inevitable between people. But you know what? It can actually be good for relationships if we resolve it. Conflict can lead to deeper and better and stronger and closer relationships if we respond to it in a healthy way. So today we're going to talk about how do we actually do that? I want to begin by taking a look at what Jesus had to say about conflict. Here's some of his most famous words on this subject matter. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, anytime Jesus calls someone blessed, we should pay attention. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. 
and they will be called children of God. In other words, peacekeeping goes hand in hand with being God's child. The Apostle Paul echoed the words of Jesus when he wrote to Jesus followers in the city of Rome. And he said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, which is a good caveat to remember because sometimes there'll be tension and conflict in relationships in our lives. And you may be able to forgive somebody because forgiveness only takes one person, but sometimes you may not be able to reconcile a relationship because that takes two people. And sometimes it's just not possible. But Paul says, if it is at all possible, strive for reconciliation, strive for peace. Make sure you do your part as a peacemaker. If you study the New Testament and the life of Jesus, I don't see how it's possible to come to any other conclusion that if we follow Jesus, we are called to be peacemakers in all our relationships. This is huge to Jesus, but it's easier said than done. So how do we actually do that? How do we make peace? We'll get into that. But first, I want to ask about your willingness to address conflict. I want you to take a look at this scale and I want you to think about where you would place yourself. There are two ends on the scale. On the far left, I'm going to call that end of the scale conflict avoidant or conflict averse. Now, if you're conflict avoidant, right now you're probably thinking to yourself, why did I tune in today? I mean, I wish we were talking about anything else. I would rather hear a sermon on the subject of hell, anything except how to deal with conflict. That's the far left side of the scale. And then on the other end of the scale is, is the complete opposite, and that is conflict assertive. You probably know if you're conflict assertive because you're like, conflict? Bring it on. Let's go. Let's do this, right? But easy does it. So where are you on this particular scale? Are you more assertive or do you tend to avoid conflict? If I'm being transparent, I have a tendency to avoid it. Sometimes I'll make an excuse and, and think to myself, I'm too busy to deal with this conflict right now. I'll deal with it later. Maybe it'll go away on its own. And I put it off. Sometimes I can exaggerate in my mind how long it'll take to resolve a conflict. And when I finally get around to dealing with it, it doesn't take near as long as I thought. I'm like, I should have addressed this sooner. I could have made peace sooner. I have a tendency to avoid it. But how about you? Where would you put yourself on this scale? We're going to come back to the scale. But before we do, Let's take a closer look at the source of conflict. Where do they come from? How do they happen? Some conflict is minor. Conflict can have different degrees. Some of it's trivial, like the obnoxious driver who cuts you off and you can't get around them. And then they drive like a grandpa or grandma. That's just annoying, but it's minor. I laughed at this tweet by comedian Steve Martin. He's spending more time at home because of COVID. He made this observation. The odds that a person is standing in the exact spot you want to go to in the kitchen is now 80%. Some of us can relate to minor kinds of tension and conflict. We can laugh about those. But then we also have more serious conflicts. Very often conflicts come from expectations we have for the people we love. We can have unspoken, unagreed upon expectations. We can have unreasonable expectations. And when our expect expectations go unmet, we have conflict. Sometimes conflict can come from an even deeper place within us. Some of us, we may not even realize it, but we carry hurt and wounds from our past, maybe from our childhood. They make us sensitive and more easily offended and even angry with others. There's a saying that pain that is not transformed is transmitted. I remember one time when I was a little kid and I reached down to pet a dog at my friend's house. I like, I like animals and I thought the dog liked me. But when I reached down, the dog snarled and snapped and bit my hand and the dog wouldn't let go. I had to fight the dog to get my hand out. Now, why would a dog react that way? 
I would guess that dog had been hurt in the past by someone else's hand. And that's why the dog reacted so negatively to my hand. The dog viewed my hand as a threat. Sometimes our past wounds can intensify negative feelings inside of us and contribute to our conflicts today. So when we're in the midst of conflict, it can help to slow down and call a timeout and ask ourselves, why am I reacting this way? Do I have expectations for other people that were never spoken or agreed upon that are contributing to this conflict? Or is it poking at some pain or hurt in my life that I haven't dealt with? Is there a wound in my life that I need to let Jesus come in and heal? Because pain that is not transformed is transmitted. Recognizing the source or the reason for the conflict can help us move in healthy ways to resolve it. Because there are healthy ways and then there are unhealthy ways that we can actually respond to conflict. So I want to go back to the scale that we looked at earlier. Hopefully by now you've kind of figured out where you land. Are you conflict avoidant or conflict assertive? The horizontal dimension measures our willingness to address conflict. Now I want to add a vertical dimension to this scale. And the vertical dimension measures how much we actually care. How much do we actually care? I encourage you to write down the diagram and identify where you land. As I talk about each quadrant to help us understand what it looks like to become a peacemaker. Let's start with the upper left quadrant. I would call the upper left quadrant the peacekeeper quadrant, not peacemaker that Jesus called us to be, a peacekeeper. They're very different. The peacekeeper cares a lot, but is not all that willing to do a whole lot about the conflict they experience. Peacekeepers don't like to rock the boat or create any waves. This can look or sound like the silent treatment, living in denial, walking away, or even passive aggressive comments. It's why we have businesses like the breakup shop. Maybe you've heard of this. The breakup shop is a, is a real online business. And they offered this service, I'm not sure they still do, but they offered this service where they will break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend for you if you'd rather not have the conflict. You can outsource the breaking up to them. Here's how the pricing works. For $10, they'll send a text message. For $20, they'll send a letter. For $30, they'll make a phone call. But that would be an awkward phone call, wouldn't it? Hi, this is Steve calling from the breakup shop. Sounds a little creepy, doesn't it? For an extra charge, you can also send a box of chocolates to help the other person to cope with the breakup you just paid for. That's something peacekeepers might want to do. Peacekeepers avoid conflict. If you're a peacekeeper, your heart's probably in the right place. You care about the relationship, but you need a better strategy to address the conflict in a healthy way so that you can resolve it. Look at how seriously Jesus took resolving conflict. Check out what he said in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, if you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Jesus takes peacemaking so seriously, not just peacekeeping, peacemaking, that he says, if you come to a celebration service to worship me, but there's a conflict between you and somebody else, that's not cool, that's not okay. And if you truly want to worship me the way I want you to worship me, I want you to go and make peace. I want you to go and resolve that conflict. Then I want you to come back and worship me. Jesus says, address it in a healthy way. Now, I want to speak to anybody who's in the lower right quadrant. And I just want to label that quadrant, uh, give it a title or a label. I'm going to call it the bully, okay? Addressing conflict is, is not the challenge for the bully. Addressing conflict with care is the challenge for the bully. And unfortunately, I have a tendency to do this sometimes where you attack the person and not the problem. You often attack the person and not the problem. 
But the Apostle Paul has some important words for all of us, but especially for those of us who are bullies. Paul is talking about how all of us can become spiritually mature, how all of us can become more like Jesus. And he says there are going to be occasions where we have conflicts. And he says, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Because if we don't speak the truth in love, not only do we not become more like Jesus, the person we're in relationship with, in conflict with, will also not become more like Jesus. And so it's incumbent on us to speak the truth in love. Think of it this way. It's sort of like the difference between a scalpel and a hatchet. A scalpel and a hatchet both cut, but only one cuts to heal, right? They're both designed to cut, but only the scalpel cuts to heal. And so often we come with a hatchet thinking it's a scalpel, thinking it's, it's for your own good, so I'm just going to tell it like it is. But the issue is not confrontation. It's confrontation with care. If you land in this lower right quadrant, it's good that you want to address conflict. But the challenge for bullies is to find a way to do it in a loving way so that your heart leads the conversation and your words follow what's going on in your heart. Now, finally, before we talk about the upper right quadrant, which is truth and love quadrant, where we want to land as Jesus followers, I want to talk about this lower left quadrant. And I don't really have a title for it. What I'd rather do is just describe what it feels like if you happen to be in the lower left quadrant. If you're in this quadrant, you feel low on love and energy and desire to resolve the conflict. For all sorts of reasons, you've just kind of given up and you don't really have any hope that anything's really going to change in the relationship. And the best word that I could use for how you might be feeling is apathy. You feel apathetic. You feel worn down. And it's really a difficult place to be. People in this quadrant will sometimes take extreme measures to avoid addressing conflict. Reminds me of this article I came across. The headline says, man fakes being deaf and dumb for 62 years to avoid listening to wife. I don't have this article completely verified. It may be a joke, but it is an extreme example of apathy. The story later talks about how the wife was so frustrated. She spent two years learning sign language. And after two years, when she perfected it, his eyesight started to go. And she said, you know what? I'm starting to think he faked that too. That's extreme apathy. Extreme conflict avoidance. Not a good place. Not a place of growth and health. But sometimes people give up and they land in this quadrant. And so I want to encourage you today. There are relationships that are worth fighting for. Your spouse is worth fighting for. Your family, worth fighting for. Your teenager, worth fighting for. Your siblings are worth fighting for. Your relationship with your parents is worth fighting for. Your friendships are worth fighting for. And so if you find yourself in this quadrant and you're not sure how to get out of it, maybe it's an abusive relationship, don't settle for apathy. Go to a Jesus follower you trust and ask for some wise counsel to help you move in the right direction, the direction of peacemaking. No matter what your tendency, whether it's to bully up or keep peace at all costs, our goal is to move toward this upper right quadrant, which brings us back to the words of Jesus, where he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemaking is our goal. Peacemakers consistently speak the truth in love to one another. So how do we move toward the goal of becoming a peacemaker? How do we move in that direction? Well, I want to give you three practical strategies to help you address conflict in a healthy, loving way. This is where scripture and wise counsel and practicality all come together to help us walk through conflict and make peace. This is what it looks like to speak the truth in love. Here's the first one. For minor issues, minor conflicts, try expressing the problem with a possible solution. I'll call this strategy, I notice and I prefer. 
I'll share a personal example. Like many of you, I've been spending more time at home during COVID season. I've spent more time in the kitchen, but I've always had this bad habit of leaving kitchen cabinet doors open. When I'm in the kitchen making something to eat, I'll open a cabinet and forget to close the door. My wife has mentioned this to me several times. So my wife and I are both working in the kitchen and I hear this awful sound of my wife's head hitting a cabinet door that I left open. Fortunately, she didn't get hurt, but all of a sudden I realized why she likes the cabinet doors closed. Now she could have said, why'd you leave that cabinet open? How many times do I have to tell you? But instead she spoke the truth in love. She was so kind about it. She said, Ben, I noticed you left the cabinet door open. I prefer you close them. I notice and I prefer is a good strategy for addressing minor conflicts, minor issues. Now, a second strategy is called I am puzzled. And instead of assuming you know what's going on in the mind of the other person, or instead of making up your own version of the story that you keep telling yourself, you calmly and respectfully say to the other person that you have a conflict with, hey, I'm puzzled, or I'm perplexed. And it might sound like this, hey, I'm puzzled as to why you didn't return my last two text messages. Or you might follow it up and say, I'm perplexed by the decision you made can you help me understand? And I know this might sound simple, but I have found that many of us need simple words, a simple framework to align our heart and words in such a way that we can resolve conflicts with peace and respect and love. Now, when the issue is more serious or more emotional than a cabinet left open or a towel left on the floor or unreturned text messages, I think the best strategy is to express how you're feeling. Many times when it comes to serious conflicts, it's more about the emotions going on than the issue itself. You ever resolve a conflict and then you're like, what were we actually arguing about? I can't remember. You forgot because it was more about emotions. And so I would use words like this. I feel blank when you blank. Okay, let me give you an example. I feel unimportant when you look at your phone at the dinner table. Or I feel disrespected when you ignore my suggestions or my input or whatever it is. And notice something, all three of these strategies begin with I statements, and that's intentional because we don't wanna blame the other person. We wanna express conflict in a healthy, respectful, loving manner. And these strategies can help us do that. Conflict is inevitable between people, but if we take the initiative to resolve it in a healthy way, it can improve the relationship and make it better than before so that we don't just love the ones we say we love, we actually like them. Notice again what Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. And I wonder how much blessing have I missed out on by not taking the initiative to make peace? And I wonder how much blessing from God you might've missed out on by not taking the initiative to make peace. So let me ask you, who is it that you have a conflict with today? And what would it look like for you to be a peacemaker? What would it look like for you to take one step toward making peace with that person this week? but I wanna be clear about something. I don't want you to walk away from this message today thinking you can just use these three strategies entirely on your own and make peace. These are good strategies, but you also need the peace of God in your heart before you can make peace with other people. You need the peace and presence of God to help you make peace with others. I want you to think about it like this. The cross has a vertical beam or dimension to it. I mean, without Jesus and the cross, we would have forever conflict with our Father in heaven. The truth is all of us have sinned and distanced ourselves from God. But Jesus cared so much that he died on a cross to give us vertical peace with God, now and forever. But the cross also has a horizontal beam or dimension. 
Because we have peace with God through Jesus, we can make peace horizontally with each other. Not just peacekeeping, but peacemaking. Before we pause for communion, let's remember that peace isn't just between us and God. Peace is a gift we receive from God to give to others. God has equipped us to be peacemakers through the cross of Jesus. So I'm gonna pray and then let's share and celebrate communion together. If you receive the gift of peace through Jesus, take a piece of bread or cracker and eat it to represent the body of Jesus and a liquid, maybe some juice or beverage and drink it to represent the blood of Jesus. Remember that God gave us peace so that we can make peace. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for being the ultimate peacemaker. Thank you for making peace with us through Jesus and his death and resurrection. And God, help us to realize that our conflicts with others can be an opportunity to grow that relationship and make it better and closer and stronger. I pray that you would give us courage and guidance this week through your spirit to take a step to make peace by addressing a conflict in love. I pray for healthy resolution and a restored relationship. God, thank you for giving us peace in our hearts through Jesus so that we can make peace with others. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.